How's everybody? Yeah, you made it to church. Hallelujah. How many of you were on time? Glory to God. How many of you weren't? Look at that. Many of you are just unable to admit that you were not on time. Woo! Come on, you glad for Jesus? I'm just thinking on that, uh, thinking on our worship time. What in the world is God saying? You know, I just thinking about God finding us in our shame. And uh, so, you know, my brain's going to Genesis 3. This fits in the sermon, by the way. So this is okay. So this is, this is a prequel to the quill before you take your NyQuil. Okay, so, so, but no, just thinking about, you know, Genesis chapter 3, you know, they totally mess up, right? But God finds them in their shame. Have any of you ever messed up? And you just know God is never going to visit you again. Nobody? Thank the Lord, five of us. Good, good. So, I mean, this is just, this is so amazing. God is so good that, I mean, his love is so powerful. And and we're singing it, and I'm thinking of, is it Luke 11? I think it's Luke 11. So Genesis 3 is so cool because he comes and finds them. And, uh, you know, they are, they're ashamed and they're hiding, right? And he finds them. And um, it's, it's amazing what he does, right? He loves them. And, and I think he wants you to know this morning that you can't get rid of him. <laughs> that bothered some of you? Okay, so I'll, I'll try this. Uh, okay, you, you can't get rid of him. You, you, can't, you can't get rid of him. He's going to find you. He's going to find you in the darkest spot, in the most discouraging spot, in the most broken spot, in the most shame-covered spot, in the most negative spot. Guess what? He's going to find you. He's, he's going to knock on the door. Can I, can, I, can I come in? Isn't that cool? The prodigal son. Um, I'm not calling any of you prodigals. Please don't be offended. But... Is it, is it Luke 15 or is it Luke 11? Hang on. Who's going to help me? It's Luke 11. I love this, you know, um, how the father ran to him. So Luke 11, if you want to read it later on your own. It's not the sermon. But, but I just love how father ran to him, that, that when he realized that even the servants, even the servants have it better than I do. I'm going to return to my father's house, and I'm just going to say, I am a worthless worm. I am a no good scoundrel. I'm just going to return, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask to be a son. I'm just going to come back and just be a servant, just a lowly no good for nothing servant. That's all I want to do. And, and at least maybe I'll get something to eat over there. That's, that's the, it says when he came to his senses, but that's the senses that he came to. He didn't come to, hey, what am I doing out here? I'm a son. I'm royalty. What am I doing? 
I'm amazing. Spit out those corn cobs. Let's go back to dad. That isn't the senses that he came to. It says when he came to his senses, what he came to was, I'm no good for nothing. But if I just go back and agree with that, at least maybe I'll be able to eat. But Father would have nothing to do with that. When Father sees him coming, Father runs to him. Now, now the, the, the senses that he came to, it, we, I mean, we don't want to get too doctrinally deep on this passage, but I, I just want you to see that, that even today, if your heart is like, uh, I, I am just, I, I'm just, I don't think I'm very good. I just, you know, I just, I don't think I really measure up. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I just could go back and just kind of, kind of work off my debt a little bit. Father is running to you right now with a crazy, crazy love that will have nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with you working off your debt. Nothing to do with you living as a servant. Everything to do with restoring you to royalty. Father, we just ask that your love would just literally invade the atmosphere of this room. The Holy Spirit, you would quicken our hearts this morning as we, as we hear your word. That we would allow your word to be bigger than our hearts. That we would allow your word to be bigger than the testimony against us in our own hearts. That we would yield to your word and let your word be superior today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Um, we, uh, I want to talk about love this morning. And, and this week, uh, we got to go to uh, the Big Island so with the kids, and that was really fun. Uh, and so we were over there in the Waikoloa area. Do you know how many people were from over there from Puyallup? And, and I mean, everyone was escaping. But I love it over there because there's something about, I think, uh, I'm going to blame it on three things. Uh, the way the people are wired and then uh, the touch of the Lord through the Catholic and evangelical uh, efforts over the islands to bring people to the Lord. Uh, and, and I think their cooperation, for the most part, uh, in many ways uh, with, with Christianity has made uh, them a very loving people. And so I, I like, it's one of my favorite places to go on vacation. How many of you uh, could uh, agree with that? You'd like to go to Hawaii? <laughs> and, and so so it's interesting over there because, you know, you can, there's, there's something like of love in the atmosphere. I don't know, even the music is lovey, right? Ukuleles, acoustic guitars. I'm a little bit country. I'm and just a hair rock and roll. So it's it's hard for me to but 
but it's, you know, we go to a restaurant and we love going to these restaurants that, you know, in the evening, the sun is setting and, 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 you know, and they've got music going on and I'm sitting there thinking like, this is almost like worship music. It's like, what in the world, you know, the guy's got his guitar and then the gal was out dancing and, and, uh, but it's just so soothing. So soothing, peaceful, peaceable. I mean, I'm sure they have break-ins over there and theft, and I know they have a little bit of a drug problem, but you'd, you'd never think that. You'd never think about that. You'd, you'd just like, just leave the cars unlocked. We're fine. And, you know, just. So there's something in the atmosphere, though. There's, there's kind of a love thing going on in the atmosphere. And, and I and I. I I think that this is a part of this whole, you know, culture of heaven, culture of the kingdom that God wants us to continue to catch and and agree with and yield to and be transformed by. And uh, so he wants us all to become Hawaiians. I really, I'm totally convinced he wants all of us to become Hawaiians and probably most of us to move there and start a church. Anybody with me? Couple, couple of you with me. All right. On the uh, on the west side, kind of the northwest side, we're going to leave Hilo to another ministry. But but the a rain ministry is going to take over the Hilo. But we're going to. So I want to, you know, I was thinking about this though. Is that you see this in the culture many times too, where they choose they're choosing people above economics, and that's just weird to us. That's weird to me. That they choose people above money. That's weird. So an, ex- an example is we went out to the South Point. Uh, one of the days we drove out to the South Point, and then we're driving back. And as we're driving back, it's coffee time. We're, we're you know, Ryan and I are thinking coffee. We got to get us some some Java. We got to get us some bean. And so we're we're coming back. And we we salivated for a good hour about this one coffee shop called the Coffee Shack. Has anybody been there? On Highway 11, south of town, called the Coffee Shack. So we're salivating, and I'm telling them about the Coffee Shack. And we're we're just we're working up our juices, and, and you you know, I mean, it's on a cliff. It's literally built on a cliff. The, it's just a wonderful kind of stuff that my wife loves because you just feel like the building's going to fall any moment. And you walk out there, you know, and your seating is over the cliff, and you're looking over this bay where down below is the city of refuge and two-step and whatever. Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so the coffee shack. So we, you know, we're driving, and we're looking for the coffee shack, and we're going for like a good hour, and, and, and we get to the coffee shack. We find the coffee shack. Closed. 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 Who would leave money on the table like that? Who would close one of the most amazing places like that? But here's what I got to thinking. You know, they probably had something going on with people. And people are more important than money. So we had to go to, you know, another place. And while we're at the other place, here comes a tour bus full of people from China. And they come in and fill that place, so that place made some money. But there's something about, there's something something going on at the coffee shack that they could actually say we're done at 3 p.m. 
done at 3 p.m. I'm like, who does that? Right? People that probably were able to esteem something higher than making money then. And maybe maybe it's not every day, but you know, I don't know. The sign said closed at three. Who knows? Maybe they just moved the numbers. <laughs> we're going home, we got something going on at home. I don't know. Yeah, I've had lunch there. But isn't that amazing though? So I just want to talk to you about this this culture of love a little bit. And um Let's go over to Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit. How do we get this culture of love activated? And, and this culture of love, culture of the kingdom, culture of heaven, I, I just I wanted to continue, and I appreciated Chris's word last week about unity. And we're going to read out of Ephesians 4 and talk about unity again. Uh, uh, just allude to it because I want you to see the context of Ephesians 4. But I'm just so convinced, and I know God is doing with it with us, and I'm excited that he's doing it with us, in that, you know, he's leavening us with heaven's perspective. He's leavening, leavening us with the kingdom. When the disciples are asking, well, what, you know, what does the kingdom? You're constantly talking about the kingdom. You're constantly saying the kingdom is at hand. What does the kingdom look like? And, and, and he's giving them parables about the kingdom. One thing that he says is that the kingdom is like three loaves of bread or pecks of meal. This is Matthew thirteen thirty three, Of which leaven, yeast, has been put into these meals, uh, these pecks of meal, and all will be, all will be leavened. The influence of the kingdom and the earth, and, you know, many have thought, because there's so many uh, similar parallels like this or metaphors, that those three loaves of bread or pecks of meal might refer to three 1,000-year periods. And the leaven of the gospel, the leaven of the work of Jesus has been deposited into the earth, and it shall work until all is leavened. So this is interesting. All sorts of scriptures show us that that God is bringing this culture of heaven, this culture of the kingdom, one of our favorites, and you know it well, Matthew 6, 9 through 11, they say, how should we pray? He says, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So there's this whole influence uh, uh, where where the kingdom of heaven is getting established in the earth, where God, through us, is invading the earth with the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, the way heaven thinks and operates, the way heaven relates, the way heaven, the the whole culture of heaven, God is developing that in your life. Isn't that cool? You see him doing it? Any of you, any of you had any experience with this? Galatians five twenty two talks a little bit about the culture of heaven because it talks about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is also the fruit of the word. The word and the spirit cannot be separated, and we see that when he relates the two together in one passage, calling one fruit and calling one the work of the spirit. 
So fruit only can come if there's seeds planted. So the word is seed. When the word is planted in your heart, then it's working with the Spirit to bring forth fruit that is the culture of heaven. It's the culture of Father. It's the culture of your family. You are living here in the earth in a physical, material, temporal realm, but you're tapped into heaven and you're living according to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. That's what you live by. So the fruit, meaning... You will bear fruit in your life as the seed develops within you. It's the fruit, by the way, of the Holy Spirit. So these two are working together to produce this culture of heaven within you so that wherever you go, you're actually bringing that culture of heaven with you. You carry the culture of heaven with you. Isn't that good? To whatever degree. Some of you are thinking, you're just thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not me. Yes, you, to a degree. Maybe, you, maybe, it, maybe it's not full grown yet. You're like one of those loaves of bread, one of those pecks of meal. The yeast of the gospel is working in you as well. It's growing in you. It's increasing in you. You are becoming more and more like Jesus who was the heavenly man. Jesus was and is the heavenly man. We bear the image of the heavenly man. Let's read Galatians 5.22. Then I want to go over to that passage out of 1 Corinthians 15 about bearing the image of the heavenly man. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in you is these things. And against such things, oh, that's interesting, against such things there is no law. We might get to some thoughts like that as we go forward as well. Against such things there is no law. In other words, that's interesting that when you are manifesting the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom, when you're manifesting love, no, no, nobody, well, shouldn't be, nobody's trying to stop you. No, you know, the, the law enforcement's not trying to find you. What? You mowed your neighbor's lawn? Yeah, that'll be a $25 ticket. Um, you know, I mean, there's just very few things that are opposed to the culture of heaven. The culture of heaven is so powerful, so appealing, so life-giving. Amen. I want to go over to. Uh, I want to go over to this. Uh, I don't know if I wrote it down. First uh, Corinthians. Let's go over to First Corinthians. Oh, I did. Look at that. Hallelujah. A couple of passages because I want you to see this is what God's doing with you. Everybody say God's doing this with me, developing in me. The image of the perfect man, the heavenly man, Jesus from above, is dwelling in me. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 15, 48. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. 
And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So this is interesting, is that that we were of the earth and we came of the man, and the juxtaposed contrast that he's bringing out here is the difference between Adam and the last Adam, Adam and Christ. And he's saying that, that one, we clearly see it was evident he was earthy. He, he became one who, because he walked according to his senses, then all who came in his lineage were those who walked according to their senses, five senses, right? Their, this, their earthly senses, and became those who were earth. But, and we bear his image, but then came a heavenly man. And now we, by entering into the last Adam, entering into Christ, we now bear the image of the heavenly man. And, and he's not just talking about, oh, yeah, uh, uh, in, in the sweet by and by. You know, on the other side, uh, up, up on that cloud that you got where that harp is mounted. He's talking about that right now you are bearing the image of the heavenly man, and, and he's coming out of you. He's, he's spilling out. With love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And he's spilling out more and more as you observe, as you look at him. Jesus is perfect theology. As you look at him and realize, that's me. By the way, this is, this is one of the reasons why it's so powerful to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark. Luke, John, read the Gospels. Read the Gospels over and over again. Every one of them kind of focuses on a special element, kind of a special work of the ministry of the Lord. And it's so powerful because when you read about Jesus, you're reading about you. James, the brother of Jesus, says that when you read the Word, it's like looking into a mirror. Don't forget what you're reading because you actually have the potential to become a doer of what you're reading. Because when you look into the mirror of the Word, you're actually seeing who you really are in the new creation. Who you really are as the heavenly man. Who you really are as one who is a citizen of heaven. It's not bad to be a citizen of heaven. It's actually good to be a citizen of heaven. It's good to be a foreigner and a stranger here because you are empowered to bring the kingdom to earth. Amen? Romans 8.29, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, again, don't put this off uh, on the other side of the rapture, on the other side of the second coming, on the other side of you going to glory. Don't put this on the other side of something. Take scriptures like this and realize this is God talking about you right now. 
Don't get into a big wrangling with Calvin about predestination. He says here, those he foreknew. In his foreknowledge, he knew you were going to come to the Lord. He knew that you were going to come under the seducing love of Jesus, that you were going to respond to salvation. He knew that in his foreknowledge. So when he knew that, he also determined, he also predestined, he also set in motion that you would become conformed unto the Son, that he would justify you as you came to Jesus That's just as if you never, ever, ever, ever sinned, and it applies for tomorrow as well as today, and it'll apply on Tuesday as well. He he not only justified you that you would be conformed, but he also has glorified you. You have pre-glorification already imputed to you that you might be conformed, brought about, that you might be made like the Son. Is that all right? Is that okay? Can we go to another one real quick? Uh, Let's see if I had, where was the other one I had on my mind? Wow, I had another one. And now it's jumping out of my head. Ephesians 5.8. Is this okay if we read Scripture? Ephesians 5.8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. How do you see yourself today? How do you see yourself today? What, what is your, oh, that's the scripture that I had I wanted to take us to, because I want you to see this, Second uh, Corinthians 3.18. Is that all right? Daniel, do we have that one? 2 Corinthians 3.18, I shot that one back to him, and it wasn't in the original. But this one is good, too, and I want you to just see, and this is part of why I'm saying to you, it's so powerful for you to meditate the Gospels, read the Gospels. And, of course, Paul writes about the Christ as well. But when you read the Word, it's so powerful that you would be thinking constantly as you read the Word, that's me. That's me. That's my new identity. That's who I am. That's how I walk. That's how I live. That's how I give. That's my heart. Let Jesus not only be iconic to you, that is so powerful that you want to be like him, but realize that God is doing this very work with you. You actually are becoming like him. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Beholding. I think the word here for us to really focus on is that we have to behold Him. This is just an encouraging word for daily devotions of some kind, if it's a podcast, if it's a vodcast, if it's a video, if if it's whatever it is, realize that as you behold him, and not behold him like, oh, yeah, that's Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, okay, whoa. I wish I could be like that. Wow, that's too much. 
Oh, yeah, no wonder I worship him. Oh, my word, he's amazing. I'm such a worm. It's not that kind of beholding. The beholding that we are called upon is to realize that, that he was the firstborn of many brethren. He's the firstborn of many, that, that he set the bar that God would bring us into that very nature, that very likeness, that as we behold him, we have a, about us a yes, yes, yes. Still believing to walk on water? I'm saying yes to that. Come on. Yeah? Multiplying bread. Constantly showing a superior, the superior kingdom of heaven, by the way, of which the culture you're attuned to. And we put a lot of emphasis in our church on signs and wonders and healing and, and all of that. But that superior realm of heaven that superimposes itself with power over this present darkness that's at work in the earth, that that realm, that realm, whether it comes with signs and wonders or healings, and it it superimposes its power over we have to realize that, that love is just as strong a miraculous display as is the healing of a leg. Love is absolutely foreign to this darkened culture. Love, joy, peace. Now, our topic today is love, but I want you to, I want you to understand that it's a miracle that you're walking in love. It is an absolute miracle of heaven that you are walking in love, displaying love, receiving love, that you are growing in love, that you're becoming more sensitive in love. Yes? Oh, I love the Grinch. My heart just grew a little bit. Oh, I feel my, Max, I feel my heart growing. This is God working in you. And I, and, and, and I know we look for the supernatural, like the physical manifestations, but let us always remember as we're pursuing those displays of a supernatural kingdom invading a darkened earth with a testimony that heaven is greater and we're attached to a greater realm, that we don't despise the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we don't despise the miracle of joy, the miracle of peace, the miracle of patience, the miracle of forbearance. It's a miracle of the Spirit of God that he's maturing in you, and you're becoming like Jesus, not just in walking on water, in loving people, in loving people more than money, more than stuff, more than glory, more than a name, more than acclaim, more than anything, you're becoming one who is like Jesus in love. This is huge. This is big. 
Signs and wonders are only one part of the culture or the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's only one part of it. The way you love Monday through Friday is such a huge part of you displaying the kingdom of heaven. It's so huge. It's such a miracle. And, and, and if we start thinking that we'll only get a breakthrough if we, if we get a leg to grow or we get a back healed, or something, if we think that, then we have begun to take the power of heaven's emotional culture and despise it. Instead of realizing this is, this is a miracle working in my life. I can love people I used to cuss out. That's a miracle. That's for all the cussers. Just threw that one in there. It's free. This is God transforming us. God is transforming us. We are carriers of the kingdom of heaven, and these are these are miracles. These are miracles in our midst. Amen. Let's go to First John four. First John, all of First John is so powerful in love, and it's so powerful in the pursuit of love. Right? We feel like worms. Well, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and to embrace you once again. 1 John 3, if your heart condemns you, but you've followed 1 John 1, 9, then His Word is stronger and greater than your heart. Confront the condemnation because it's not from Him. I mean, this this... All of John is so powerful in love, so powerful in God loving us and showing us his love. And he's washing us with his love. He's, he's melting our hearts with his love. He's embracing us as father with his love. And he's wanting us to become a loving culture. He's, he's wanting us to have a holy yes to the nature of Jesus within so that we display this love one to another. So we become such an attractive people that we become irresistible. Irresistible. 1 John four sixteen. I want to just start there. And I think this is first out of the NIV. I had a couple different passages and, and, uh, or, or translations, but I just want to, uh, we're going to circle the wagons on this for a moment. And we know, and, 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 and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world we are like Jesus. There is no, now we could camp for a year right there on that one part. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, the word here is G25 out of the Strong's, which is agapeo. And so the word here we've come to know through the Greek is like 
God's love, it's God's affection, it's that which he has poured out upon us, that which he has directed toward us. We understand it in the text to be an unconditional love. In other words, it's his pursuit of us. And likewise, then, as we display this love, it's our pursuit of others. It's an unconditional love. So, so this is, this, and I want to read it now out of the New American Standard, maybe just a hair different. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. We are love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he loved us first. This is the greatest, and I've I've preached myself happy and I'm running out of time, but The greatest seed of the gospel that's leavening our hearts is this seed that we are no longer offensive to God. John 3.36, that we are no longer children of wrath. That we are unpunishable, that our sins are paid for, that we have peace with God. That imperfect people are covered by Jesus, that Father has no need or desire to punish you for your sins, that you're free to walk in the light. You've been delivered from sin and the penalty of sin. You've been delivered from the fear of punishment. This is interesting, that God wants to perfect you now in love. He wants to perfect you in love, win your heart in love, make you a lover, develop you into a lover, not out of a fear of punishment, but but with instruction, by holding you on his lap, by talking to you about who you are, by giving you insight and wisdom, by coaching you, by leading you, and not out of a fear of punishment. Now, we're not used to that kind of relationship. It's very hard for us to imagine that. Most of us, we think in terms of punishment. We think in terms of changing behavior to avoid punishment. But God wants to perfect us out of a loving relationship in love, developing us in love, by love, through love, rather than out of the fear of punishment. This is crazy. He has loving wisdom, loving leadings, loving coaching. He has, believe it or not, loving rebuke and loving correction. He says, actually, that the fivefold ministry has been given to the church to perfect the saints, essentially, into the full stature of Jesus, that we would be fully mature in love, that eventually, this this is Ephesians 4, from 11 all the way to 15, that eventually that we are supplying by love what every person around us in the body of Christ needs. 
that we become a supply because we're so transformed with love. We're so engaged with love. We're so filled with love. We're so yes to love that we become this conduit of supply for all of the people around us in the body. And likewise, then the body feeds, cares for, nourishes, ministers to itself out of mature love. That's the culture of heaven. That's the final word on the full stature of Jesus that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. That's even the sum total of, of he says, we're going to come into the unity. Chris talked on unity last week. The unity of the faith, we're going to attain to the full knowledge of God, and we're going to attain to the full stature of the measure that belongs to Christ, that we might then, speaking the truth in love, build up, supply, care for, minister to one another. What kind of a church is that going to look like? What kind of a body will that be? Oh, my goodness sakes. As our faith is growing in in his likeness, that's who I'm like. As our heart is being lifted into the knowledge of God and we begin to understand who he is and what he has in mind and how he's made us, and then we begin to attain to the full measure of him, this love begins to grow within us, grow, 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 grow. From glory to glory, this love is growing, and we just are spilling it out everywhere we go, supplying for one another what all of those around us need. That's a mature, that's a mature church. That's a mature body. That's a mature people. That's you. That's what he's doing with you. You are, you are being transformed as a, as a bearer of heaven, a, a citizen of heaven, one who is totally immersed in the goodness of God. Can I ask the band to come this morning? We will attempt to close. This will be our first closing. When a person operates out of the fear of punishment, you actually expect things to go wrong. When you blow it, when you sin, when you mess up, out of the fear of punishment, you expect things to go wrong. You actually play yourself into Satan's hand when you do that. Perfect love is not married to or knit to the fear of punishment. You expect that sin will result in a calamity. You look for lightning bolts to land when you mess up. You wonder if each move measures up. You doubt that you now have the favor or blessing of God. You interpret trouble as judgment from God. You show love or give love imperfectly. It's not that fear isn't powerful to modify our behavior, but Jesus wants our hearts to be transformed inwardly in love, out of love, and knit to him so that we hear his voice. And so we love his leading and we allow his coaching to perfect us. Let's stand this morning. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome your love to envelop us. We welcome your love. Lord, this morning in this atmosphere of 1 John 4, 16, we just ask that you'll wash the fear of punishment out of our perspectives, out of our hearts, out of our minds. The believer is delivered from wrath. The believer in Jesus is delivered from wrath.